Now time for the BCHL Podcast, presented by Subway. Here's Finn Williams to end the game to the floor. Yeah. He scores! There's a backdoor play. What a goal! Zach Michaelis! Rolling puck in front. Tied up in skate. Rowan Clark with a heroic save. My goodness, Rowan Clark. What did you eat for pregame? Real balls, real shoot scores! Patrick for Nick Real. Donaldson driving the goal, wrapping around. He scores! Brilliant goal by Sean Donaldson. Schleppi to the goal. Once again, he scores! Oh my word, Tyler Schleppi with a dandy! Three on one. A move. Vito back to a move. What a save by May. Coming across with the left leg. My goodness. Hey there. Welcome to the BCHL podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Adamson. We're back again with another three great interviews for you today. But before we get going, I want to remind everybody that the BCHL podcast is presented by Subway. Subway is a longtime partner of the BCHL, and we thank them for their continued support. Before we get going today, just wanted to send our well wishes to the people of Merritt who have been dealing with some serious flooding issues, uh, as well as the people in the Fraser Valley who have been dealing with similar issues as well. For those who aren't aware, the BCHL has had to postpone a handful of games this weekend for teams in those areas and other teams who aren't able to travel uh, like they normally are. You can find the updated schedule and the release with that announcement at bchl.ca. Uh, but beyond that, we're just hoping that everybody's staying safe and uh, we'll, we'll hope to see uh, our friends in Merritt and in the Fraser Valley back on the ice as soon as possible. All right, let's get going with today's episode. Uh, we have three interviews on the docket today. First up, we speak with Alberni Valley Bulldogs goaltender Hobie Hedquist. Our second interview is with Rochester Institute of Technology forward and former Chilliwack Chief and West Kelowna Warrior Carter Wilkie. And finally, we have a special interview for our third one. We speak with Tom Williamson, who is an alumnus of the Vernon Vipers and played in the BCHL from 1966 to 1968. First up, we speak with Hobie Hedquist. Hedquist uh, was making news a couple weeks ago when he went on a lengthy shutout streak. The University of North Dakota commit had three shutouts in a row and was one shutout away from equaling the BCHL league record of 252 straight minutes without letting in a goal. It's no surprise that he was named the BCHL first star of the week for his performance a couple of weeks ago. So we caught up with him to talk about his long shutout streak, talk about his adjustment to life in Alberni Valley, and to look ahead to his NCAA future at one of the top schools in the NCAA, the University of North Dakota. All right, Hobie, uh, I want to go back a couple weeks. Uh, you were the, the BCHL first star of the week. Uh, you posted three straight shutouts. Uh, you went ab- about 212 minutes without letting in a goal. H- how did it feel for you to be so locked in like that? Oh, it felt good, but I just think that it's strength from the team playing a good game defensively. Uh, we were able to kill a lot of penalties, uh, lock down, keep our defensive structure the way we wanted it. And I think that just showed that we were able to win three games in a row because of what we were doing defensively. And I just think that that helped the team. 
So is there a specific feeling or, or kind of way that the game feels when things are going well like that? Like I know some goalies talk about how the game seems to slow down a little bit for them when they're in the zone like that. Were you experiencing anything similar to that or, or was it just kind of normal for you? Oh, I think it was just like any other game. Uh, it felt normal, but uh, this guy, I guess I got a little lucky keeping the streak going that long. Was anyone uh, in your ear about the all-time shutout street record? I know goalies don't like to talk about shutouts. It's considered unlucky, but uh, you were about uh, one shutout away from actually setting the, the, the all-time BCHL mark for longest streak, which was uh, 252 minutes. Uh, the longest streak was nobody told me about it and I hadn't heard anything about it. Oh, maybe it was better that way. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, you're, you're new to the BCHL this year. Um, you, you played last year with Dubuque of the USHL. So, um, I'm just curious yeah. what made you want to come out West and play, uh, in this league. Uh, just in the summer, if you're talking with the, uh, the coaching staff, uh, Alberni Valley, it just made, it just seemed like the right fit for me for the developmentally, and just a good chance to win hockey games and play a lot of hockey games. So I think that was what made me want to come out to the BCHL, and it's a good league. It's a good fast league, uh, and yeah, I just think those were the reasons that made me come out to Alberni Valley this year. So um, before you you made that decision to come out here, how familiar were you with the league? I, like I'm, I know I'm sure you've heard of it before, but how uh, how familiar were you, were you actually with the league itself before you decided to come out? Uh, the year before that, I had actually played with a lot of guys that played in the BCHL or were planning on playing in the BCHL. So it went through its little shutdown. So like I had, I had talked to them about it and kind of picked their brain on what they thought of it and just through those people and other people that have played in it and experienced it i kind of just made that decision and then now that you're here and you you've been here and settled for a couple months um what are your first impressions of uh the league i guess and and as well as as port alberni where you're playing yeah i love port alberni it's a it's a nice city it's a uh, hockey crazy the fans love us uh, you can't go anywhere in town without talking to a fan and people know who we are. They, they expect us to do good things. And then uh, the city of Port Alberni also gives you a lot of things to do through uh, outdoor things, such as like fishing, hiking, there's a bunch of trails, all kinds, all kinds of cool stuff like that. And then the league, the league I would say is it's a good league. It's fast paced. It's a lot of, a lot of running gun high offense and I just think it's really good for a goaltender to be playing in a league like this where you're going to see a lot of shots and a lot of chances every single night that you play. So I, I was also wondering, um, your your goaltending partner, Jackson Glassford, he's somebody who's been with the team for a few years now, um, has a lot of BCH, BCHL experience under his belt. Um, have you leaned on him for advice or for anything to get yourself settled in your new surroundings? What's your relationship like with Jackson? Yeah, no, we we have a good relationship. When I first got here, I, I kind of just asked him, you know, like, what's the league about? How would, how do you see the league through your eyes? And kind of just use him for advice when I'm kind of stumped on something or kind of wanna kind of wanna read on a team that he's probably played against a lot of times. So I kind of just use him 
when I'm unaware of what a, what a situation's like just because he's been here and experienced so much. So looking ahead, you're committed to the University of North Dakota. They're consistently one of the top NCAA programs. They put, produce a lot of talent that ends up in the NHL. Um, knowing that you're, you're eventually headed there, what, what can you say about that program? Oh, I just think it's a good program. I think the culture that they have there is good. I think it shows in people bring down NHL deals to stay there, that it's a place that people want to be. And it's, it's just a good place that constantly is contending for national championships. And I just think it's a good place to be. What was the recruiting process like for you at that time? I know you, you committed a couple years ago now. Were there a lot of schools in the mix? Were you considering a few other ones? Um, uh, did you have your, or did you have your mindset on going to UND? Uh, kind of after, after my visit to UND, it was kind of, that's kind of where I had my mind made up, made up on going. I, I had a good visit there. I connected really well with all the coaching staff. Uh, I had known a couple people that are going there as well and kind of just made it seem like the right spot to go. And then just uh, thinking ahead, and I know you, you got business to take care of here with your team in the BCHL, but when you do think ahead to playing college hockey, like what, what does that mean to you and how excited are you, excited are you to eventually get to that level? Yeah, it's always been a dream of mine since I was a little kid to play Division One hockey and to have that opportunity ahead of me. It, it's a great honor. It's kind of like it's what I've dreamed of my whole life is to play Division One hockey and to have this year just be one step closer. It's just uh, it's just every reason to work harder to hopefully live out that dream of playing Division One college hockey. Just bringing things back to the Bulldogs here uh, before we wrap up. So you guys sit in uh, second place in the Coastal Conference. You have a record of uh, eight, four, and two. Um, you're coming off a road trip with some some tough oppositions, but uh, but uh, fared pretty well. So, um, what do you think uh, have been the keys to your team's success so far this season? I know you, know you guys have gotten off to a pretty hot start. What what uh, what's been working for the guys this year? I just think that everybody buying into what we work on in practice and what the coaches are telling us, everybody's just doing what, what's asked of us. Everybody's doing their job. Everybody's buying into our systems and the way we play and our team structure. And I just think that's led to the results that we've been getting recently in our games. Yeah. And then just looking ahead, knowing uh, how, how those results have been and how you guys have played. Um, what do you think this team can accomplish down the stretch this season? Uh, I think that we are that we're a legit contender to uh, win the championship here. I think we're a good team. Uh, we got some good veteran leadership. We got some good young guys. We got a, we got a good mix of everything, and people keep on buying in. The pieces are just going to come together one by one. And I think when it comes to playoff time, that we can make a good run for it. All right, Hobie. Well, that's uh, that's all I got for you. So thank you so much for chatting with me uh, today and best of luck in the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot to Hobie Headquist for joining the podcast. Moving on to our second interview, we speak with Carter Wilkie, who is in his freshman season at Rochester Institute of Technology. Wilkie's had quite the start to his NCAA career. 
He was named Atlantic Hockey Conference Rookie of the Week four separate times so far this year. And not surprisingly, he was named the Rookie of the Month for October. So far through 12 games, Wilkie has five goals and three assists for eight points. Prior to making his NCAA debut this year, Wilkie was a three-year veteran of the BCHL. He played his first year and a half in the league with the Chilliwack Chiefs and then moved on to play for the West Kelowna Warriors for the final year and a half. We caught up with him earlier this week to talk about those three years in the BCHL, reflect on his hot start on the ice with RIT, and what it's been like to transition to life as a college hockey player. All right, Carter, so you've been uh, the Atlantic Hockey Rookie of the Week four times so far. You were the October Rookie of the Month. Uh, I guess it's pretty safe to say that uh, your college career has gotten off to a pretty good start. Uh, How how would you assess the the start of your NCAA career? Uh, Yeah, obviously produced uh, so far in the season, Uh, but I can't take full credit. Obviously, I've been blessed with really good line mates and Gritty Hobbs and Rinaldi, and then I've also had Jake Hammacher for a couple of games, but I've been really blessed. The team down here is really good, and you never had a fall with whoever you're out there with, so it's kind of really cool to be out there with those guys. And Yeah, I just wouldn't say as much as luck as much as just like being in the right spot sometimes, but yeah, obviously the pucks found me in certain spots, and I've been fortunate enough to put it in the back of the net, so hopefully I can keep that going. Yeah, you mentioned some of your line mates and the guys you've been playing with so far this year. Uh, what do you think it is about your game and, and their games uh, that has been able to mesh so well and allow you to have that success? Oh, yeah, well, um, we all just really, like anybody in college, are all going to work hard. But uh, I'd say my line mates especially, we like to control the puck kind of down low and we like to play with a little bit more speed than uh, I'd say kind of. Uh, within the game so it's kind of fun we're fast moving line and we just uh, find each other in the offensive zone we work our bag off down low and then we end up finding each other and so far it's been working for us so we're not really going to tweak too much other than the stuff we can do to help us win a bit more but offensively we're having fun down low cycling finding each other in the slot and the biggest things are shooting the puck a lot so there's a lot of opportunities and that's really fun so the college game is obviously different than than junior and, and the BCHL. Uh, what have been the biggest differences you've noticed uh, as you've made the transition into college hockey? Uh, yeah, it's just uh, mistakes don't happen. Uh, it's often because if you do make a mistake, it's usually going to end up in the back of your net, which is a hard reality to think about. But you got to embrace that because you don't you don't want to make mistakes, but you still got to challenge yourself to make those. And then obviously everyone's bigger, stronger, older. So they're all a little more developed than some people or you're at different speeds. But the biggest thing is just like the size and the speed. And then your time with the puck, you got to make choices right on like within split seconds compared to the PCHL or whatever. And then uh, you got to make sure they're tape to tape or where the guy needs it because you don't get many opportunities. And if you mess up a pass or something like that, you might not get another one for the rest of the game. So you got to make sure you make the most of your opportunities. And luckily so far, my linemates and I have been doing that. So you're you're one of 11 BCHL alumni on the, the RIT roster. And you even have a former teammate there and Daniel Chenard, who, who you played with in Chilliwack. So uh, what's the dynamic like in the room with so many guys that are, must be familiar with each other, either playing together or playing against each other in junior? Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool and kind of nice when you come to a place like that. You, uh, 
everybody has kind of something to talk about right off the bat, which is nice. It helps kind of get in and talk to each other a little more. So it's not as awkward, but uh, yeah, it's kind of cool having all of the ECHL guys here. Cause we all have the same jokes and we can laugh about when we played each other, who beat who in certain situations. And then obviously having a guy like Shenard on my team where uh, we played together in junior, it really made it easy. Cause he was kind of a, a little bit of a mentor for me coming in, telling me what to expect and kind of what to do when you get down here and, Everything he's told me so far has been true, so it's kind of nice having that uh, with you. But other than that, it's pretty easy. No matter where you play, all the guys uh, are all embracing because we're all realizing we're here for one mission, and that's to win. So you all kind of hop on board with that and you run with that. So it's kind of nice. So you committed to Rochester back in 2020, I believe. Uh, why did you end up choosing RIT as your, your NCAA destination? Uh, yeah, just... um. Coaches are really good with the recruiting here. They uh, like my game. Uh, they said good things. What they brought up to me as an offer was more than what I could think of and my family as well. And they included my family in the process, which was really cool because uh, my family is obviously a big part of it. Like I didn't come down here without having them by my side the entire way. So they involved them, which is felt really nice. And then RIT honestly felt like home. All the guys that I talked to really enjoyed it. Guys like Shenard, obviously talking to him, uh, he was a big help within that. And then it just felt comfortable, felt like the right choice and uh, no regrets without it at all. It's the best time I've had in my life so far down here. And oh, he's been the best I've ever experienced as well. So it's just, well, I felt comfortable with my decision and I haven't looked back since. Yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about the on-ice aspects of it and uh, the hockey team, but obviously it's a, it's another big adjustment as well off the ice and going to a, a college campus. Uh, so what have things been like for you off the ice with school and the community and everything like that? Uh, yeah, well, uh, community to start off with, we have probably one of the best fan bases I've ever seen in college, at least to this point, minus like, or just even in our conference. Uh, haven't seen many of the other conferences yet, but what I've seen so far, our fans are obviously die hard basically everywhere we go even if it's an away game like we've been eight hours away but we'll still see rit jerseys up in the stands cheering us on it's really cool to see that like our community really builds around our team and it's kind of uh it's a really cool experience when you walk around and you see people from our student section or whatever and they're walking up to you saying good games stuff like that and people in your classes are uh saying that stuff to you so it's kind of cool being uh known just through that part and then obviously like the school part uh, it's not the most fun at times, obviously you get homework and assignments. You'd rather not have to do. And then on road trips, you got to catch up on the time you missed and class and stuff like that. But, uh, it's pretty easy. Uh, you have a bunch of guys you can work with. You have like my freshman class been really good. We all, uh, work out or work together on assignments like this. I have upperclassmen to help me out. So it's kind of really cool because, uh, everyone's gone through it at least, or someone has on your team so they can help mentor you through it or give you some help. And then, our professors help us out as much as they can as well, which is really cool. And I understand what's going on, but going back to school definitely isn't the most fun part, but uh, to be playing college hockey, it's definitely worth it. So I want to switch gears a little bit and go back to your BCHL days. We've talked about you making the jump to college hockey, but um, I, I want to go back to when you transitioned into the BCHL. So you had played a few games as an affiliate in Alberta prior to that, but what stands out to you when you think back to your rookie year with the Chilliwack Chiefs? Uh, yeah, that was honestly, uh, it was a really fun year. We were obviously a really good team and, everyone blended really well together there and uh, still buddies with basically that entire team that I had there. We were really close and stuff like that. And then 
coming into the BCHL is just kind of like the same step from junior to college. Guys are faster, stronger, got to make plays a bit faster and uh, accurately. And obviously the chances you get less and less as you go on, but it was a pretty easy shift. Maloney was really good and the coaching staff there was really nice. And then obviously, again, I can't take enough. I can't say it was all about myself when I came in as a rookie. It was a bunch of the older guys like Brendan Moore, Blaisdell, all those guys are really good. And then our rookies that year were really well and ended up playing with the guys like Bowen and Brett Willits, Kevin Wall. They're really good. So it's kind of cool to be a part of all of that and see everyone where they're at now. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, you had a really good rookie year. You had 36 points in 53 games. You were enjoying a, a good second year as well. And then you got traded to the West Kelowna Warriors. And it seemed like your offensive game took off even more after that trade. You stepped into the Warriors and were really productive with them r- right away. Uh, why do you think you were able to kind of excel there after the trade was made? Oh, uh, yeah. And just uh, during that trade process, Maloney and I, it was kind of a mutual between us both. Um, I, we both kind of agreed that I needed a little more uh, exposure and obviously Chilliwack was a really good team that year. And uh, the role that I was playing on that team was something that uh, wasn't uh, allowing that offensive capabilities, not anything against Maloney. And I just, other guys were producing and unfortunately I wasn't at the time. So I went out to West Kelowna and got that opportunity and yeah, I just kind of took off from there, but it was a, Great move. Love the West Kelowna. Love Chilliwack. I have no hard feelings anywhere with that. Like, still talking to my billets. Maloney reached out to me when I committed to RIT. It's, uh, yeah, no hard feelings anywhere there, but it's just a move that I felt like I needed as a player and you know, it worked out, got me to where I wanted to be. So it was really cool. Yeah, speaking of the West Kelowna Warriors, they're uh, having a really good season so far this year. They're 11-2 and two right now. They're sitting in first place in the interior. Uh, they have a lot of returning guys, so I know you're familiar with a lot of the players on the team this year. So just curious if you've been following along and talking uh, to some of the guys uh, about their good start this year. Well, yeah, I've obviously followed along with West Kelowna. They're still my junior team, and every guy in college, once you come from a place, it's kind of you still look back at it as home so looking at those guys i see all their posts i see their games uh talk to guys like uh Riley Sheridan, he was one of the rookies last year dylan brooks uh kind of took them underneath my wings so seeing how their progress is going and then obviously guys like nick ardenaz john evans elon barlevise i follow up on them uh, felix trudeau i know is having a really good year so far so it's kind of cool to see where those guys are at now because i saw them a couple of them as rookies and now they're stepping into bigger roles or Guys like Barlowise, who unfortunately got suspended during our pod season, but now he's having a great year. Guys like Cristal as well, like just signing with uh, St. Lawrence. So it's kind of cool seeing those guys and seeing what they're about to go into. And they obviously asked me some questions about college, so it's kind of cool to give them some insight. But all in all, it's good to see them winning because we want that out of the organization and everything like that. So it's good. Yeah, given uh, your your great start to the year this year as you've made the jump, it, it seems like the BCHL and the Chiefs and the Warriors did a pretty good job of preparing you for that next level. Uh, when you think back to your time there, how do you think uh, they were able to prepare you and make sure that you were ready to go as soon as you made the jump to college? Uh, yeah, it's just kind of uh, the schedule really helps out with that. Like you in college, obviously, you only play two games a weekend and I know junior, you have a couple of weekday games. You'll have a three and three on a weekend, but majority of the time you have uh, two games on weekends and uh, that schedule kind of related over because we're working out with uh, 
with Musclin and in Chilliwack. We were both working out during the week, so we only had two games. And that's the same thing in college. And then uh, in the game style itself, it's very fast. It's uh, offense talented. And then everybody's good in that league. So no matter what game you're in, it's a battle, which is the same as in college. No matter who you are, you can have a chance to lose that game or win that game. So it's uh, that was kind of the exact same mindset or uh, yeah, mindset, I'd say, going into any BCHL game. So that kind of helped it out. And then obviously a bunch of – you can see all the committed players in the BCHL. So – when you're moving on, you're playing against the majority of those guys. They're still, they'll be in the same class as you if you go in when have them. So you're playing against some of the guys like that and other former guys from the BCHL. So you can see kind of where you ranked up and what those guys are doing. And then you kind of just follow along. So you kind of get embraced in that college atmosphere when you go to the BCHL and then just when you go to college, it's even heightened more just because you're actually there now. So it's kind of cool. Last question for you and just bringing it back to RIT. Um, your, your team is sitting at 500 now. You have a 5-5-2 five, five, overall record, uh, but you're only one point back of first place in the Atlantic hockey standing. So uh, what do you think you guys need to do to, to stay consistent here and, and maybe try and pull ahead of the pack uh, these next few weeks? Uh, yeah, we got to um, uh, obviously help our, our defensive game needs to get up a little bit more and uh, our PK was really good for the first half and our power play kind of had a little bit of a fault, but, uh, once we get those guys, once we get both of those units back on track, our power play started scoring on the weekend. So that was really good. Uh, we fixed a couple of things in our PK. So we're looking forward to that as well. So that we don't, uh, give up those goals when we're on the PK and our power play scores when they get the opportunities. And then all around, if we just get that consistency night in and night out from our entire lines, like all four lines going, it'll be really cool. And that'll be the best thing for us because, all four lines, they've all had nights, but we, if we can piece those all together at once, we're a pretty unstoppable team here and we're all deep and we know what we're capable of here. So we're looking forward to it. All right, Carter. Well, uh, thank you so much for the time. Uh, great to see you uh, having so much success to start your college career and, and hope to see more in the future. Perfect. Thank you very much. What would you call a new crispy chicken sidekick made by Subway sandwich experts? With seasoned chicken breast free from artificial flavors, a crispy golden brown coating, and freshly prepared just for you? At Subway, we call it the complete package. Introducing our new crispy chicken sidekick. Only $3.99, only at Subway, and only here for a limited time. Subway, eat fresh. Freshly prepared for your order. Limited time at participating restaurants. Extras additional plus tax. Huge thank you to Carter Wilkie for making time for us. All right, last but not least, we have come to our final interview. And it's a bit of a special one. We speak with Vernon Vipers alumnus Tom Williamson. When Williamson broke into the BC JHL, the franchise was known as the Vernon Blades. And the next year, in his second and final year, they changed their name to the Vernon Essos. We wanted to speak with some BCHL alumni who were active in the league back in the 1960s as part of our 60th anniversary coverage and, and content for this year. And we're pleased to connect with Tom, who was more than happy to share a few stories and, and let us know about life in the BCHL back in its infancy. In our conversation with Williamson, we get into what the playing style was like back in the 60s, how his career went after leaving Vernon, and what his relationship is like today with the game of hockey and with the Vernon Vipers organization. 
So I, I guess the first question I'll ask you is, uh, what what was the landscape of the league back then? I know, um, I know that well, it was the- it was it was six teams. Yeah, you know the four Okanagan cities, New West and and Victoria, but we were tier one. Okay, and tier two didn't start until oh, I guess the late seventies, early eighties, and then Vernon Vernon the Vernon team and the Vernon Assholes became sort of a farm team for the Medicine Hat Taggers. And, and other other BC Junior Hockey League teams paired up, but so for example, um, uh, we didn't. When uh, my la- my first year there, Camels won the BCs out of the six teams, and they played the Edmonton Oil Kings for the right to go to the Memorial Cup. Gotcha. So it was, and it was, it was. You could play as a twenty year old, which I did, and uh, and then I went to UBC the next year. So it was a little different that way. I'm not saying it was good or bad. It was still tier one. Yeah. So who were the who were the top end teams back then with only six teams in the league? Who were the, who were the high end teams and who were maybe the the lesser teams when you were playing? Well, we were probably a mid team, but Penticton certainly was the, the number one team. Gotcha. And then when you look, when you look back at the the style of hockey, then obviously the game has evolved so much to, to where we are today. But uh, in, in those days when you were playing in the league, what was kind of the overall style uh, of the hockey being played? Uh, no helmets. Yeah. <laughs> Don't pretend to be tough unless you are. We um, Dave McKay, who was a city engineer in Vernon, also played for the Chicago Blackhawks. He was a uh, he was actually their rookie of the year in 1939. He was a great guy, and uh, when um, when the um, the Vernon Essels or the Vernon Blades, then the Vernon Essels were taken over by a group of Vernon guys from Bill Brown, who started the actual BC Junior Hockey League. Uh, Dave McKay became the manager, the overall manager of the team. So he told Odie Lowe, our coach, and Odie Lowe was an, actually in the Canadian Hockey Hall of Fame, great, great hockey player, and he told Odie, "You get five, you can have five kids that aren't living in Vernon." We'll pay for five room and boards because cost was something. You can have five goalies if you want, but you only get five. <laughs> I never forgot his line. I thought that was a pretty good line. You get five room and boards, you can pay. <laughs> and then uh, beyond the the strong teams, we we touched on who were kind of the powerhouses. Then what about uh, some of the top players? Are there guys that you remember from that era that were uh, the, the higher end scorers or, or players or goalies that stood out to you? Who, who were the the notable players when you were in the league? Well, there was, Penticton had a few. Uh, Gene Peacosh, and he was a top scorer in the league. Um, my first year, I was 10th in scoring, but I also was 10th in penalties. So if you had the two, I was the leading scorer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, no. Um, and uh, the second year, uh, Tom Service won the scoring race. He came from Moose Jaw, and he was a defenseman, and he won the scoring race. Oh, wow. So that's, that was the first time that sort of happened, but it was community then. And, and I think the whole basis and, and it wasn't the other, the other cities were the same too. One of the reasons we attracted a lot of fans in those days or the fans started to come is we were all Vernon kids. We all played minor hockey. Uh, we had, uh, in, in terms of my hockey career, we had won the, the midget tournament in Quinnell. We, um, uh, we lost the uh, midget uh, BC final to new West but the next year we won the BC Juvenile, and the next year we went to the BC Juvenile Final, and we had the same coach, so he brought all of us along. And so th- there was that sense of community there. Like, I-, I-, I live with a guy named Lawrence Kwechuk who came from Cornell, 
uh, he's, he's gone down to Palm Springs now, but he came to Vernon, married a Vernon girl and stayed here. <laughs> so, so you have those sorts of stories too. Right. And you mentioned the playing or sorry, the penalty minutes. Um, so I, I might know uh, where this is going, but uh, you were a forward in your playing days. What, what kind of a player were you uh, in your time? Well, I like to handle the puck. So I drew a lot of attention and, uh, um, you know, there's a book written by a guy named Don Clem on hockey and Vernon from eight, 1890 to present day. Oh, wow. It's unbelievable how much research he did. And he's got all the stories. He's got all this neat history that, uh, that evolved over time in the Valley. Because the Vernon Arena was built in 1937, and it was the first artificial ice surface in Vernon. People used to come in the train from outside, go over to the Coldstream Hotel, have a few beer and walk up to the game, and then, you know, train home. So it was a small town then. It was kind of a Rockwell painting era. There was no malls, just the downtown, the train station, and the hotel bars, and everybody knew everybody. So it was, it was kind of neat, in a sense, if I can reminisce a bit. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that uh, you went on to play at UBC after your time in the BCJHL. Um, yeah, I, had a, I, had a, I drove to trail. I had actually drove to trail with Tom Service. And uh, uh, Joe Pallone offered us uh, free room and board and to pay for our education if we went to Selkirk College. So we had that offer. Um, uh, a guy named Scotty Monroe went to Calgary, and that was the first year of the Calgary Centennials. So Tom Service, uh, uh, he, he, he signed a contract there to play as an overage. I had sort of the, the same sort of small offer to do that too. But uh, then Dr. Highmarsh came from uh, from UBC and I uh, got to meet Father Bauer from UBC and uh, so I decided to go to UBC. And how was your time there? I it was the time of my life like when you think of it uh, it's the 60s it's it was wow we fly everywhere. Huh. Uh we went and played in Japan, we played uh, we played different tournaments here there and everywhere and uh, and we were the last team to win the West 1971. We actually won the Western Conference, which is not easy for UBC hockey teams because you got to beat Alberta, Calgary, maybe Saskatchewan, and the University of Manitoba. So we were the last team to win. The only two teams at UBC that won the West and went to the finals were Father Bauer's 1963 team, which formed the basis for the 1964 Canadian Olympic team because it was housed at UBC, and our team in 1971. Wow. Uh, we were all B, we were all BC players, and we were all one of the one of the comments was that why we did so well is because we didn't know what we were doing because we we're all we're all from small towns. Right. We had a guy from Trail. We had a guy from uh, my friend Mike Darnbrose Colon, another guy from Penticton, Kamloops, Vernon, um, uh, Prince George, Bob McAneely. It just all these small town guys came, and away we went. So after UBC, did you play much, or did you just kind of start to play recreationally? What, what? I uh, after after my four years at UBC, I went to uh, I went to the Ottawa Nationals uh, training camp. Yeah. In in Hull, Quebec, I got invited to that, and then uh, and then I went and played in Flint for a bit, and I played uh, senior hockey in Nelson, and then uh, went back to UBC and got my teaching certificate and got my master's in psychology and. Got married and had four kids, so it was over. But then I still played uh, rec hockey. I played for the Vernon Cougars intermediate team and so on. Very cool. And then eventually played for the Vernon Canadian old-timers. So. 
So you're you're from Vernon. You you played for the team. You would probably know this uh, more than anybody. What what does the Vipers franchise and and I'm talking going all the way back to the days uh, the Lakers and the Essos. What what does the Vipers franchise mean uh, to the community? It, it's huge. It's huge. They they are the corner cornerstone of athletics in Vernon, and uh, a lot of Vernon people. Uh, embodied them, even though they came from out of town. And the Viper ownership, along with Duncan Ray, is a classic example. Duncan Ray embraced the community, and they did charity. The kids, uh, the kids went to schools and talked to kids, and so on. And it made it an event to go watch uh, BC Junior Hockey in the, um, in, the in the Caltire place. So they're uh, they're a real a real supporter. And, and Caltire, uh, Tom Ford, who came from Saskatchewan and started Caltire here in 1953. That's why it's called Caltire Place because Tom Ford kept the Caltire headquarters in Vernon. So, when you think of it, Caltire is the sixth biggest tire company in North America, and their headquarters are in Vernon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's pretty, pretty, pretty special in my mind. For sure. Yeah. And then, uh, what about now? What, what's your relationship with the game now? All, all these years later, do you have any involvement in hockey still, or are you just a fan at this point? Um, oh, I'm definitely a fan. Uh, I haven't played for a year or so uh, because of COVID and everything was shut down, but uh, I'm certainly a fan and uh, I have nine grandchildren and I have, uh, I have a couple of sons playing in Kelowna in the U9 group. So I'm with them now. Very cool. I did run uh, just out of interest. I did r- run the Vernon summer hockey school for, um, for 23 years in Vernon. And I did uh, wow. hockey school in Sarsi Indian chiefs for three, three years too. So, um, um, I sort of gave back to the community and along with a guy named Ken Holland, Ken oh. Holland and I started the Vernon summer hockey school. Oh, wow. Just a, a hockey and hall of Eddie, famer. Well, apparently tonight. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm actually tam- taping it. So I can oh, watch nice. it later. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ken and I communicate a lot. He lives, he probably lives a drive in a wedge from where I live right uh-huh, now yeah. in the summer. And, uh, but, do, do you still have a relationship with the Vipers at this point? I know we, we've talked about your involvement, uh, with, with Todd Miller, the, the team's governor there. Um, yeah, not, they have a new coach and so on, but I did with Duncan Ray. Yeah. Other than they have a, uh, a Viper alumni club, which a club, which I was in, inducted to, which a lot of other players that have played from previous years and so on. Right. And is there, is there any interactions with the other alumni or is it just kind of just, um, just well, it's, it's it's starting to grow. Um, a, a few uh, a few players have started a list. Uh, Lyle Brewer and uh, Marty Stein, who I is on, who I play golf with. Uh, he uh, was a Detroit scout, but he just signed with Buffalo. Um, they're compiling a list to start uh, Vernon Viper Alumni Club, where we can be more active in the scholarship part. Great. So that's in its genesis right now. Uh, they're just gathering everybody's names and they're asking people to send in their contact information to a central site. So that's being worked on now. Um, come the 27th, uh, Todd's invited me either to drop the puck or take a slap shot or something <laughs> at the start. So we'll go uh, I, from there. I would love to see you take a slap shot. I think you, you should do that instead. Yeah, no, I know. No, I'm not going to do that. But it's... Uh, it was in our our time. It was only forty games. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I got sixty points. I, my first year, I got uh, thirty six goals. So still, no matter what, and that was that was a wooden stick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, last question for you then. Um, so this is the league's sixtieth anniversary season. Like I mentioned, uh, when you take a look back at those sixty years and, and knowing you were active and involved in the first decade of its existence, what stands yeah. out to you uh, when you think back on the sixty years of the BC Hockey League? 
I think the fact that it sustained itself over time, because I know Penticton had to drop out one year because of finances. Uh, Vernon, I think, was suspended for a year um, uh, after the uh, before it became the Lakers for a while. And then different owners came along and, and really made it roll. Uh, one of the ones that uh, carried it in the early days was Ernie Cowell, um, and that was Ernie's Esso because he had the Esso station. Vern Dye, for sure, who was president of the BC Amateur Hockey Association. And then we have uh, Mel Liss, and uh, Mel was with the Vernon Lakers when they won their first championships. But they had they had they had people that had a solid business in Vernon and were willing to uh, to front the costs. As, as you know, they can be substantial. All right, those are all the questions I had for you. So th- thank you so much for uh, for connecting with me today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, that's that's no problem. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of the BCHL podcast. Again, a huge thank you to all of my guests. Hobie Hedquist from the Alberni Valley Bulldogs, Carter Wilkie from RIT, and our special guest, Tom Williamson, who you just heard from. Before we wrap up, I just want to echo what I said earlier. Um, everyone in the BCHL is sending their best wishes to the people of Merritt and the surrounding areas and the people in the Fraser Valley, Chilliwack, Abbotsford, Hope, uh, everyone in those areas are dealing with some pretty serious issues due to the flooding and uh, the closure of some major highways. So hoping everyone stays safe. And, and like I said, just sending our thoughts and our well wishes to you. All right. As usual, thank you to our producer, Greg Ballack, for helping put this thing together. Uh, if you're looking for some reading material, we've had a busy week at bchl.ca. We posted our first BC Born feature of the season. This one is on Prince George Spruce King's forward, John Harrington, who hails from the small town of Hudson's Hope, BC. And we also have uh, the first of many 60th anniversary written features, which just published this morning. And you'll see some quotes from Tom Williamson, who we just spoke to on the podcast. But in this feature, we cover the first decade of the BCHL, which was the 1960s. And again, you can find that at bchl.ca or on our social media platforms. Uh, you can find us on all platforms at BC Hockey League. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon.